Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. I want to encourage you now to get the CD of this teaching. Uh, We're not going to be able to show the scriptures on the screen, so I'm going to be moving relatively fast, and so you may be able to keep up with me, you may not. But uh, listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you today. I believe that this is a word from the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're going to go ahead and dismiss junior high at this time. So you guys be blessed. You can go. Let's pray. Stretch forth your hands toward me this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you that your word is active. It's alive. And Lord, we thank you that you're watching over your word to perform it. We give you thanksgiving ahead of time for the results that your word shall bring forth. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. You know, the Corinthian church was a rough bunch. They were really, really rough. I mean, they would, they would get drunk at their communion services. Uh, I mean, there was, there was absolute immorality running rampant in the church at Corinth. It would be sort of like the Las Vegas of Bible days. I mean, they were licentious, which means that they had lust without breaks, without constraint. And yet, uh, they had become Christians. And uh, perhaps, you know, you're in a situation today where, you know, you have not yet grown to your full potential in Christ Jesus. And maybe you're struggling with some of the things that uh, of the past that are sort of hanging on your life. I want to encourage you today, amen, that God is not finished with you yet. And he that has begun a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this letter to the church at Corinth, without going into great detail, was not a pat on the back from the Apostle Paul. He says, you're carnal, there's divisions among you, you're talking about who your favorite preachers are, and you know, you just are carnal as a bunch of old hoodalls, he said. And I, I don't, you know, have a vendetta against favorite preachers, I have favorite preachers, but I'm not divisive about it. Well, in that church, they were. But in spite of all that, I want you to pick it up in First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. In spite of all that, here's what Paul says to them. He says, look, you are God's garden. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is that you are God's field. That you are under cultivation, and you, in fact, are God's garden. From the Amplified Version, it says, For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, labors together with and for God. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation, and you are God's building. So the garden still needs a little work. Amen. Paul's saying, in spite of all that, God loves you. He's for you, and He's not finished with you yet. And that's good news. Now, we are God's garden. I want you to remember that, but we are not God's original garden. How many of you know that God's original garden was the Garden of Eden? And so what we're going to do this morning, it'll be fun, you'll enjoy it, and it'll minister to you. We're going to look at some prophetic pictures 
from the Garden of Eden, and we're going to apply that to God's garden, which we are today, and see how, praise the Lord, God who has begun a great work in us can perform it and see what can happen in our, in our lives as we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? In Genesis 2.8, in the message says, Then God planted a garden in Eden in the east. He put man where he had made it. So the first thing I want to say to you about the Garden of Eden is the Garden of Eden was planted. Now, is there anything in the Word of God that says we are planted? We are to be like trees planted by the rivers of water. That we are to be like cedars of Lebanon, long-lived, stately, useful, and fruitful. We are to grow and we are to be majestic, durable, long-lived, and incorruptible. But then he says, planted in the house of the Lord. And that you and I should flourish in the courts of our God. There's something about being planted. When you're like that tree planted, you you got some roots. And what roots do is roots anchor you. And what roots do is they absorb all the nutrients from the river of life. And you, as God's garden, put your roots out today. Absorb the nutrients in the Word of God. Absorb the life and the presence of the Lord that is all around you. And you'll grow and you'll be just like a tree. And you will be anchored. Now, the word Eden means a place of pleasure. It means a place of delight. God did not make a lousy environment for his man Adam and his woman Eve. Somebody say amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Garden. You are God's garden. You are God's pleasure. You are the Father's pleasure. And for thy pleasure, we are and were created. It gives your Father good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Need I say more? God's garden, God takes great delight in giving you everything He's got. Amen. Amen. And a lot of people have a picture of God, the Father, being mad at Him and all uptight and all upset. But I found out in Zephaniah 3 that He rejoices over us with joy. You know, when you came out of darkness into light, there was a party in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will, he will not remind you of your past sins. He will not recall them. But my heavenly Father rejoices over you and me with singing. Doesn't sound to me like he wants to smack us down. Your heavenly Father celebrates you. He does not just miserably tolerate you. Oh, somebody say, good preaching, hallelujah. So he sees the end result of our lives. He sees our potential before we fall into the pitfalls. Now in Genesis chapter 2, and I just want you to listen to this, verses 10 through 14. And I want you to notice the four rivers that proceeded out of the garden. I want you to notice this. In Genesis 2 verse 10, it says, A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. Do we not, as God's garden, need constant infillings and refillings of the Spirit? And from there divides into four rivers. Everyone say four rivers. The first name is Pishon. It flows through Havilah where there is gold. That's good. 
especially in this day and age. The gold of the land is good. The land is also known for a sweet-scented resin. that They made perfume out of that. And an onyx stone. How many of you ladies like good perfume? The second river is named Gihon. It flows through the land of Cush. The third river is named Hedekel, and it flows from the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the river Euphrates. So we have established that we are God's garden, correct? And since we are God's garden, I wonder, are there any rivers coming out of us? I wonder, are there any rivers of life? flowing from your belly? Are there any ho shekabasata? Are there any rivers of glory flowing from your river? From your garden? Well, there are. The Bible says, from your innermost being is going to flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. Oh, hallelujah. Now, what I want us to do today is I want to look at the four Hebrew meanings of those four rivers. And I want to typify that and paint a prophetic picture on how it impacts your garden in the Lord today. The first river is Pishon. Say Pishon. Now, this is a beautiful definition of Pishon. It means ever-increasing and full-flowing. Ever-increasing and full-flowing. I want to remind you what Jesus said. For out of His fullness, abundance, have we all received, have a share, and are supplied with grace after grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, heaped gift upon gift. So this first river has to do with fullness. God wants you to experience His fullness. Of His fullness have we all received. Paul, speaking to the church at Ephesus, said this, that you may be filled through your entire being with all the fullness of God. May you and I, that's our prayer, everyone say, have the richest measure of His divine presence and become a garden. I like that. A body, wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. I'm telling you what, the fullness of God is available to you and to me. And if we are really filled with the fullness of God, that means that there wouldn't be room for any junk. That means there's no room for rejection because I'm full of God's acceptance. No room for worry because I'm full of God's peace. No room for confusion. Why, pastor? Because you're full of God's wisdom. No room for sin because you're filled with the consciousness that you have right standing with God. That means there's no room for any more unforgiveness. Why? Because you're full of mercy. No room for strife. Why, Pastor Mark? Because you're full of the love of God. No room for despair. Why? Because you're filled with hope. You're not walking through this life in a desperate attitude of despair. But you're walking through this life confident and filled with the hope of God. And it brings joy in your life. You know, I wonder... 
that if we would just take this simple truth of this first river, I wonder how different the garden of our life would be. I wonder how different our week could be if we thought fullness, if we thought increase, if we thought that we are His pleasure. The first name is Pishon. It flows through Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Don't ever think that there's anything wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with gold. Gold and money in of itself has no uh, victory over a person whose motives are right with it. Are you listening to me? But the gold of the land is good. The land also is known for a sweet-smented resin where they would get perfume from and the onyx stone. Now I want you to picture this. You're Adam, you're in the garden, and you're the only person alive at that time. (laughs) I wonder why did God tell Adam where the gold and the perfume and the precious stones were? Because a few verses later, God was going to bring Eve on the scene. I know somebody on the front row is trying to help me preach. And and she's wearing some of that gold today. You know, in essence, God was saying this. Adam, if you'll just follow the river, I'll take you to the mall. And you know something? If you follow the river of the Lord, and you really, really are sold out to God, the Bible says that your God will supply all your need. He'll do it according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He who placed gold and perfume and onyx in the garden. Hallelujah. For God's garden today, there should be a full supply. Somebody help me shout a little bit. Now this second river, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this. Gihon. Everyone say Gihon. <clears throat> now Gihon means to be gushing. Or to be bursting forth. To be gushing or to be bursting forth. Now, it's one thing to have the fullness of God. And it's one thing to be content with the blessings of God in your life. But simply boiled down, you know what Gahan really means? It means overflowing. What this is saying to us as God's garden, yes, we're to find out and discover who we are in Christ Jesus. But once you've, you just can't keep it to yourself. You just can't keep the revelation to yourself. You just can't keep the goodness of God to yourself. But you're bursting forth and you're gushing forth into an area of overflow where you are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. And people around you, their lives are being watered through the river that's flowing out of your garden. In John 4.14 in the message, it says this. It says, anyone who drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Not ever, Jesus said. The water that I give him shall be an artesian spring within Gushing fountains of endless life. Oh, man. God's plan is for you and I to hit the overflow stage. One encourages your pastor. Don't just settle 
And don't just be content to survive. Don't be just content to survive. But let's move on to another level. Let's move on from survival to significance. You see, the most significant people in my life were people that nurtured their garden and they allowed the Holy Spirit to flow through them and it had an impact on my garden. Listen, friends, to whom much is given, much is required. We've been given a lot here at Heart of the Bay. Amen. We've been rejoicing about what we have and who we are and what we can do in Christ. But it's time for the Bay Area to have experienced the overflow of God's goodness in our lives. Say amen if you can. And so Paul says, look, church at Corinth, you're God's garden. It's time for you to get into the fullness of God. It's time for you to move over into overflow. Now the third river that we see from Genesis chapter 2 that has significance for us, that third river is Hydekel. And the word Hydekel in the Hebrew language is a word picture. The picture of Hydekel is that of an arrow that is swift in flight. The picture is of an archer who takes the arrow and aims very clearly and very carefully at a target. Now, I'm not an archer, but I do know that archers have to have a target. For if they were just to kind of go off haphazardly, they could hurt someone. Well, I think that there's too many Christians living their lives without a goal. I think that there's too many Christians living their lives without an aim and without a purpose. You know, the Apostle Paul said, you know what? I am pressing toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul knew his purpose. Paul knew what his marks were. And as sure as Paul had a mark, the church at Corinth as God's garden has some marks. And you and I have a goal. You know what our goal is? Our goal is to become more like Jesus every day. Our goal is to be blessed coming in and blessed coming out. You see, we are to have spiritual goals. Amen? But you know what? There's nothing wrong with you having natural goals. There's nothing wrong with you completing your education. There's nothing wrong for you desiring to be promoted on the job. There's nothing wrong for you wanting to make a lot of money. I knew I'd strike a chord there. I I hit a big one over there. There's nothing wrong with you being a millionaire. There's nothing wrong with you being blessed so that you can be a blessing. I want to encourage you today as God's garden, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Get yourself a vision, amen? Get yourself some goals. Get get yourself some objectives in life. And just don't go through life hanging out. Come on, somebody. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the ones, amen, that should be occupying the land. So Hedekel then, it speaks of having a goal and having a target, amen? Where there is no vision, the people perish. But thank God with a God-inspired, God-given vision, I believe that you and I can prosper. Years ago, there was a group of people praying at the altar and 
And there was a man of God there, and this one guy was screaming out and making all sorts of motions. Oh, God, you know, I don't want to be loud because I don't want to be obnoxious, but he was obnoxious. <laughs> just, you know, oh, God, and just, you know, you, know, you, you can approach God with a crybaby attitude, and that don't get it. And uh, finally, the, the man of God went over and said, uh, what are you praying about? And the guy batted his eyes several times. Well, nothing in particular. Now, how many of you believe that God answers prayers? And, you know, I believe in hundredfold prayers being answered. But what if you got a hundredfold answer to that prayer? You know what you'd get? You'd get a hundred times nothing in particular. The thing is, is we need to be specific. See, Jesus said, what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the what? Desires of your heart. See, the desires of your heart are safe when you're living a sanctified life. When in your heart you want to follow him with everything you have, he will place godly desires, godly goals, and godly vision in your heart. So God's garden, be like Hedekel, aimed and pressing on toward God. The fourth river, and lastly, the fourth river is Euphrates. Everyone say Euphrates. Euphrates. Now this is a, a very interesting river and definition The word Euphrates means sweet. The word Euphrates means uh, fruitful. It means to experience the sweetness of the life of God in our life and to experience fruit for the glory of God. Now listen to this very carefully. If you and I as God's garden, if we are flowing in these first three rivers... Anyone remember what Pashan is? Tell me. Okay, ever-increasing, full-flowing. Very good class. Okay. The second river was what? The second river was Gahan, and that means what? That means overflow. And then the third river we just talked about was Hidekel, which means what? means purpose to have a goal. Okay? So... With God's help, then, we're full. With the help of God's grace, we're overflowing. With the help of God's grace, His desires are in our heart, and we are living our life with purpose. When those three things in our garden are flowing, the fourth one should just come easy. The fourth river should be just a fact of life, that life becomes sweet, and life becomes fruitful. Fruitful. In 2 Corinthians 2.14 in the New Living Translation, listen to this. Now in the King James it says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to do what? To triumph. Now, in the New Living Translation of verse 14, oh my goodness, thank you Jesus. Has that been on all the time? Well, I guess I should have slowed down then. All righty then. Am I doing all right? Am I doing okay? Thank you. All right. Good. All right. But let's read this together. I want to make sure you're getting fed today. Amen. All right. Ready? Read. But thank God he has made us his captives 
and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal possession, now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Like what? Like what? Like what? Ooh, like a sweet perfume. Oh, my, 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 my. There is just something sweet about victory. There's just something tangible. I don't know really how to describe it because it's not in the natural, but it's in the realm of the spirit. There's just something so refreshing about a life that's sold out to God. There's just something different about a a person that that has the spirit of victory on them. Amen. Amen. Not that they're not ever facing defeat situations. Not that they're not ever, you know, tempted to be down. But they've chosen to live their life above that. Amen. They're not controlled by the things of this life. They're controlled now by the Holy Spirit. There's an attitude of victory. There is a spirit of faith. That when you get around a company of believers like that, oh, it's a fragrance. It's just something that is awesome. And you see, friends, when our garden is in alignment, prophetically, if you would, with fullness and overflow, and we are pressing toward the mark, there's going to be fruit abounding in our lives. It's powerful. You see, our garden has the potential to produce some awesome things. In Galatians 5, you know, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What is it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, temperance. Did I say joy? Faithfulness. Nine of them. Think about that. The fruit of the Spirit. God's garden. Us under construction. We start producing these things in our lives. You know, it it makes us great to be around. You know, when you're walking in love and walking in joy, you're not a bummer. But you're a blessing. Now, here's the problem. and And I'm not pointing any fingers, but here's a big problem. In the body of Christ, in the church, sometimes they get like Florida oranges during the winter. They get frozen. And there becomes a a stagnancy. And the, the, the production stops. See, it's possible as God's garden to have once been on fire and all of a sudden gotten cold. You know, that's why Paul says, you got to stir that gift up. You guys, so cola, Messiah, you got to fan the flame. Amen. You got to, you got to tend to your garden. You got to make sure the weeds get out, the bugs out. And when the enemy tries to bring a cold front in, rely on the fire of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the fire of the Holy Ghost will melt things around you. And enable you to produce fruit for the glory of God. Now I'm not saying anyone here has gotten cold. But I do know that the Bible says that many people's hearts would wax cold in the last days. 
Let not that happen to us as a church. Let not that happen to your garden. Tend to your garden. Pray much in the Holy Ghost. Invite the Holy Spirit and the wind and the fire of God to refuel you and to ignite you so that you can bring forth fruit to the glory of God. Thanks be to God. Now, one thing for sure is the devil does not want us to operate in these four rivers. He wants us to be a barren wilderness instead of God's garden. And so what he'll do is he'll throw all sorts of junk in your path from enjoying, to keep you from enjoying the sweetness and the fruitfulness of life. He will try to sour the pot. He will attempt to poison, to embitter you, to lead you into sourness instead of sweetness. You think about the children of Israel. I mean, this was a powerful event when they crossed the Red Sea. I mean, they had been in slavery for years. And God said, you know what? I've had enough of this. And so he raised up Pharaoh and anointed Pharaoh to lead them. I mean, Moses, not Pharaoh. Better rewind. So he anointed Moses. I got that from you, Brother George. So he anointed Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And you know how God brought them through? Well, he brought them through with signs, wonders, and miracles. But the Bible says he also brought them forth with silver and with gold. Maybe they got that from the garden. And not only that, but there was not one feeble, Tony... There was not, I mean, grandma and grandpa were there. Hey, I'm a grandpa and I ain't feeble. But he brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble, weak person among their tribes. Get the picture now. The Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians before they left. One translation was kinder. It says they borrowed from them. They didn't borrow from them. They just flat stripped them. Come on, somebody. Do you think about that? Going over to the taskmaster. Oh, I like that. I'll take that. Silver and gold. Where'd they get the silver and gold from? They didn't have any out there in that brick and mortar being beaten up by those taskmasters. No, they stripped them. Hallelujah. I think it's about time we go into the enemy's camp. I think it's about time he we had heart of the big Christian center go into the enemy's camp. And take back what Satan has stolen from us. Come on, somebody. So here they are. Think about it. Moses' rod, not Pharaoh's rod. Moses' rod. And so they're going over on dry land. It's like two big aquariums on both sides. Fish looking at them. Wonder who they are. Them looking at the fish. Man, never seen that before. Have you, Rebecca? But my point is, is they made it. Now, Pharaoh and his bunch tried to make it, but the aquariums crashed. The horse and the rider he threw into the sea. Now, get this picture. They're over on the other side. They're delivered and they're free. Do you think maybe there was some rejoicing going on? You think maybe there was just a little bit of dancing? 
happening. It wasn't the soul train, you know. I was at a wedding recently where they did that Harlem shuffle, you know. I was tempted to get up and show my stuff, but I figured, no, I'm saved now. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with all them them joints just wanted it. Yay! (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Hey, thank you. Well, anyway, I didn't do it. I reminded myself I was the pastor of the church and I would never live it down if I went and did the funky chicken in front of them. (laughs) Oh, but I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, YouTube is right. Yeah. (laughs) All I can say is what Leroy Thompson said, you know. Anyway, so they're over there dancing. They're rejoicing. I mean, no more bondage for them. I mean, they're looking at the silver and the gold. They're praising. They're rejoicing the Lord. And all of a sudden, they break a sweat. And they get thirsty. And they head over to get a drink and they go, that's sour. That's bitter. You see, after your greatest victories, Satan will try to sour the pot. And so they cried out, started whining, groaning and complaining. But God showed Moses a tree. took that and he thrust it into the waters of Mara and the bitter water became so sweet our master hung on a tree he took bitterness for you and for me he became sour so our life could be sweet he temporarily became fruitless so you and I could experience fruitfulness. Today, during communion, let's take the tree. The Bible says he hung on a tree, having become a curse for you and me, that through his becoming a curse, your life could be sweet. Your life could be blessed. Oh, Jesus. And so these four rivers show us the will and the plan of God. In the garden of your life, He wants you to receive His full flow this morning. He wants your life to gush forth with what you've received. He wants you to be like an arrow targeted to have goals and objectives. So that he can produce sweetness and fruitfulness in your life. Receive that today? Say it with me. I am God's garden. I am God's field. Under cultivation. Work your work in me. Do a work in my life. 
like the Apostle Paul, I shake off the vipers. I shake off the sour experiences. I refuse to get bitter. Today I will be better. And as God's garden, much fruit shall be produced for the glory of God. Do you receive the message today? All right, let's give God praise for it.